0: I want a snack. Now, on most Thursday nights, several of us in the congregation gather at Aaron and Sarah Cricht's house, and we gather there for community group. And so, this is an opportunity for us to talk about the sermon from Sunday. This is an opportunity just for us to, to pray with each other and for each other. And in general, we just get to share and enjoy each other's company, to share fellowship. And usually, that time begins with a snack. Now, some people. They bring sliced fruit or vegetables or chips and dip. But I'll have to be honest. My favorite snacks for any given week will be cookies and cake. Uh, <laughs> and then get some amens in the crowd. Okay, So I think this is something people will relate to. But sometimes, some people in the group don't get a snack. Now, one of these people is, is often Eden krites And if you don't know the krites haven't met Eden before... She's the middle daughter, and she might be described as the most rambunctious of the Kreitz girls. And there's this rule in the Kreitz house. It's a really good rule. It says, that they say to their kids, if you don't finish your dinner, you're not going to get a snack. And that's, like I said, a good rule, probably a familiar rule for many of us. And I like this rule. I want to help, help Sarah and Aaron enforce this rule for their kids. Sometimes it sometimes can be really tough because Eden will come up to you and she'll look up at the table and she'll point and she'll say, I want a snack. And you'll ask her, well, did you finish your dinner? And sometimes the silence is all that you need to hear. Now, it's hard to say no. One, because she's usually very sweet when she asks for the snack. Um, and that's, that's a difficulty. But I think it's also difficult because at any given Thursday night, I can relate with her because she says, I want a snack. And I should say no, but then sometimes I didn't finish my dinner. (laughs) Um, Or sometimes I know it's not what I should be doing, or I look at my wife and she goes, "Uh, I understand so well what Eden is feeling because often I want that snack too. I want something, even though I know I don't deserve it. And definitely this sort of feeling travels well beyond a snack on Thursday nights. How many of us, just in the lives that we live, are always wanting something that we don't deserve? I think this is embodied in culture where we have this obsession for either an instant result of some sort or some sort of gain that is obtained dishonestly or quickly or not because of any merit, just some, some great thing falls on your lap, and we all we want that. But there's another issue at hand where I don't think we always realize what we really deserve. We want blessings, but then do we ever ask ourselves if we deserve those blessings? Our scripture today is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. It is actually the entire chapter of 28. Uh, Caleb heckled me a little bit when, uh, when he saw it. If you're using a chair Bible, that's on page 169. And as you turn there, let me just, well, it begins on page 169. It ends a few pages later. But as you turn there, let me just explain a little bit about what's going on. So some context, since this isn't Proverbs. Um, What we see here is Moses telling the people of Israel, right outside the promised land, blessings for obedience, and then warning them as he's done his entire life as a prophet. He's warning them as well what would happen if they are disobedient. And if you know the story of Israel, you know the story of the Old Testament, we actually we see them being disobedient a lot. And later on, if you, if you look beyond Deuteronomy, you'll see some of these curses unfold uh, that we're going to read about. And for Israel, regardless of how great those blessings were or how horrible these curses were, they didn't obey and i hope that we can see today that so often we are like them in that way that we know what these consequences are for uh, disobedience but so often we're still disobedient but we strive for we want that blessing anyway even though we are diso- even though we sp- are disobedient towards god we still desire his blessing but what we deserve is his curse. Thankfully, however, there's hope. For Israel, they hear just a whisper of this at the edge of the promised land. Uh, For us, we hope to see it more clearly today as we read through the text. Now, chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Uh, Again, as I said, pretty long to open. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then verse 15. Uh, We're going to read through, eventually, um, the whole chapter this morning. So, Please just join me in reading verses 1 and 2, and then verse 15. And if you faithfully obey the the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commands and the statutes I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and they will overtake you. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would be with us right now as we seek to understand your word and to hear it. Grant us understanding, grant us conviction, do this through the Holy Spirit so that we would hear and so that we would be moved in the most inward of our beings, in our very hearts, and be inclined towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Deuteronomy 28 is, just to give a little more context, in many ways the end of a bunch of different things. So first off, it's the end of the Exodus. The Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for a generation, long enough for the whole previous wicked generation to die, and they're about to enter the promised lands. But it's the end of the exodus. That's a big historical event in the history of Israel. It's also the end for Moses. If you recall um, through scripture, Moses is not going to the prom- enter the promised land. He disobeyed God. He, is, he knows he's going to die before, he, before the, the Hebrew people get to enter the Promised Land. And so, this, what we're reading right here, is his last teaching, his last statement to a people that he shepherded for his entire life. And he's putting before them life and death. He's telling them, here are the blesses, blessings for obedience, here are the curses for disobedience. Please, please choose the former. And then, this other bigger historical way, if we look throughout, if we look at the entire uh, biblical canon. It's the end of the Pentateuch. It's the end of these first five book of the, books of the Bible attributed to Moses. There's a... There's this, this this gap that's being... that's about to be jumped from, here are these first five books of the Bible that that Moses writes, and then we're going to move on, and the story of the Bible is being developed here. So anyway, Moses is gathering his people together through the first half of... or through the first chunk of Deuteronomy, most of the, the book which which we're not going to read today, uh, but you should feel free to read in your daily quiet time. Uh, Moses is just reminding the people of the law. The book of Deuteronomy translates into the second law. So he's, he's giving it to them again. Why does he give it to them again? Well, because in general, the Israelites like us are pretty forgetful. So he's giving, these pe- he's giving the people the second law, a reminder. And then in chapter 28, in this, this final speech to them, he's talking about blessings and curses. We're going to read through these today, and I'll, I'll kind of say beforehand that especially the curses are very vivid. They're perhaps going to be very troubling to, to read through, but understand it's the Word of God, it's here for our good. We can't skip over it. So let's start, and the first thing that we're going to see is that the blessings of God are wonderful. They're great things, but they require our full obedience. So let's start again and reread verses 1 and 2. And in this section, try to see those two things. God's blessings are wonderful, but they require complete obedience. Beginning in verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you, and they will overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's be clear at the very beginning. Moses isn't... He's not trying to trick the people. He's being exceptionally clear to the people of Israel that these are the blessings of God that will come upon you and overtake you if you obey completely, if you faithfully obey and do all that is commanded, if you follow the whole law, the condition for God's blessing is not, I do well enough, I am okay. It is not what we so often do uh, in our lives, which is, I am good enough, I am better than certain other people, so it's not that you are a nicer person, the person that cut you off in traffic, it's not that you are more committed to your job than your colleague or your coworker. it's not that you are... Better than your spouse, which is a terrible comparison to make anyway. No, the condition is, I obey God fully, and then I receive his blessings. And these blessings are a really great thing. I think the word really is underselling them. So we're going to just look through the examples here. So beginning in verse 3, how are the blessings of God so wonderful? Why are they so wonderful? So in verse 3, it just states, Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field. Basically, wherever you go, in the urban area and in the rural area, God's favor will rest upon you. So if you're in Chicago and you're moving to Chicago, God's blessing will be upon you there. If you're in the rest of the state of Illinois, your God's blessing will be upon you there as well. And then verse 4 and 5, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of the ground, the fruit. Of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and of the young of your livestock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. You'll be blessed with children. You'll be blessed with a bountiful harvest and with livestock. These are really important aspects, especially for the Israelites. Uh, maybe we don't understand them as much. We're not agrarian. But maybe my wife would translate this into something like this is the blessing, at least the first few, of having a stock refrigerator and not having to. Uh, to worry about, oh, well, where's the food? Where's the, where am I going to cook? What am I going to cook for my next meal? But it certainly be, goes beyond that because it says, you will be blessed in everything that you produce. It's a promise that you will work the earth without thistle and thorn, without blood and sweat and toil. And at least partially, it's, it's harking us back to the curse that's in Genesis. And then verse 6 Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. Now, some of this might seem a little redundant, but understand the weight of this. It's saying, again, obedience obedience to God will result in you being blessed wherever you go, when you come in, when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. A statement to Israel that you will be dominant militarily. Certainly one that resonates with them as they, are, they have just finished, they're about to finish the exodus where they fled from a militarily powerful state who enslaved them. And what's God's promise here? That your enemies will rise up against you, but they'll be smashed and they will scatter. And who will do this? God will cause your enemies to rise up against you and he will vanquish them. This is, goes far beyond the assurance that can be given to you from a high wall or an advanced jet fighter, even the most advanced military in the world. You're still not safe. If you're, There's still the risk of danger. But here, God is saying, I promise to you, I will cause your enemies to rise up against you, but then I will will also vanquish them. And then in verse 8, the Lord will command his blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This land, this land that is promised, will be one where the Israelites will be blessed in every one of their ventures. In their work, they will be blessed if they remain obedient. Obedient. And then in verse 9, we see the purpose of this blessing. God promises these blessings to set Israel aside as his people. Listen in verse 9, it says, The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see this. And they'll see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they'll be afraid of you. God's blessings are how he's going to make himself known to the nations. And this list of blessings, it, in the next, few sec- the next few verses, it seems like it becomes even more redundant, but they're still wonderful. They're not something that we need to pass up. Um, they're not something that should be ignored. What's promised in these blessings is abundant life. And we see it's not just material, but it's purposeful. In verse 11... The Lord will make you abound in prosperity, and the fruit of the womb, and the fruit of your livestock, and the fruit of your ground, with the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up his good treasury, the heavens, to give give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head, and not the tail, and shall only go up, and you shall not go down." God will make you so prosperous that you will lend money but never have to borrow. He will make you so prosperous. Well, here's one that is perhaps something that we can resonate on this week. He will give to your land rain in its season and not so much with the flooding. Um, And then he will also make Israel, he'll promise to them that they shall never borrow. They'll never be in debt. They'll never be in need. Remember, why did Israel first find themselves in Egypt? Because there was a famine in the land, and they had to go to Egypt, and they, have to, they had to buy food. And what happened after that? Then they were enslaved there. And this promise is like that promise that I shall not send you back to Egypt, that you will be the nation that, that lends food, not the one that begs for it. And once again, we're reminded of the condition in 13. Because we have to be very clear, these are not just blessings that, that you receive, but here they are conditional. It says, if you obey the commands of the Lord, which I command you today, be careful to do them. And then 14 is giving us even more specific, specifics about, these, uh, about this obedience. It says, if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods or to serve them, Israel is given all this information in the law. If you haven't read through Leviticus or Deuteronomy, it's very—it's pretty dense. There are a lot of commands there, uh, but Moses is giving them this for their good, so that they understand: follow these commands, and these marvelous blessings will be given to you. But you have to follow all of them. It's not a partial obedience it's a complete obedience and then you will be blessed with prosperity and security and then you will be known as God's people all these were israel's there were for israel if they were to obey and sadly we see in the rest of old testament narrative as well as just it's foreshadowed here that israel does not obey they cannot obey completely And Moses also made these consequences abundantly clear. Turning our attention to this next section, we see that God's curses are horrible. Though his blessings are wonderful, his curses are truly horrible. And they are the just consequence for disobedience. In verse 15, it's a statement that largely parallels the the structure in the first part of the chapter. Verse 15 says, Moses says, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and they will overtake you. Curse it so you be in the city Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. These curses, like the blessings that are promised, will pervade every aspect of your life. They will spread throughout your family and throughout your household, where you work and where you live. And they will spread through the entire people. And not only will they come upon you, but they will overtake you. Then in verse 20, we actually see a break from the parallel structure where Moses is elaborating more on the curses than he did on the blessings. So in verse 20, Moses says, The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, And frustration in everything you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of your evil deeds. Because you have forsaken me, the Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off of the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, with the drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under your feet shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder, for from heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. What is Moses promising here? That devastation will befall you because of disobedience. It's the consequence of it. It's also an act that is completely just. But listen to the details here. It's not just that you will die, but that you will suffer, and that there will be frustration in everything that you undertake. The land that they're about to enter, this promised land, God will bring upon curses that will take the land away from them. There will be famine and disease and drought. They will be destroyed and pass away, just like the generation before them, just like Adam for the disobedience that brings upon this curse. Then we go back to the parallel structure in 25. Uh, Moses says, The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go one way against them and flee seven ways. We flip that image from before, where instead of going confidently into battle, you go into battle and you are dispersed, and your enemies come upon you. You will attack your enemy, but then simply be scattered in confusion. And this too shall be a testimony to the Lord, for you shall be a horror to, horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And there shall be no one to frighten them away. This other example that just underlines how severe these curses are. For not only will you be frustrated in your endeavors, but you'll be defeated by your enemies. And you will be dead on the battlefield where animals shall eat you and pluck your bones. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and with scabs and with itch which cannot be healed. Listen to this, O Israel. You will receive the plagues of Egypt, as you too did not listen to the words of God, just as the Egyptians suffered because they did not listen to him. The Lord will strike you with madness and with blindness and confusion, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in the darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. The curse is going to be so bad that you won't even have a clear understanding of what is happening to you. You shall only be oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you. And in everything you do, you will not find blessings but curses. We see in the next several verses that even in the honest work that Israel will do, there will be not blessing but curse and no reward for their labors. Verse 30, you shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not eat its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey shall be seized before your face, but you shall not, it shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, but there shall be no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all day long. But you shall be helpless." a nation that you do not know shall eat up the fruit of your ground and all your labors and you shall only be oppressed and crushed continually so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils of which you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. All that you do will be undone by the Lord. Toil and labor as you will, and he will take it away. Under this curse, you shall serve as example to the other nations that God is holy and that he is faithful in his judgment. Verse thirty-six: The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over, and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation that neither your fathers, neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror, a proverb, a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the field, but shall gather little. The locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall not drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil the oils, for the olives shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all your trees and the fruit of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and shall come and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him, he shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you, and they will overtake you Till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and the statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring. And why does this happen? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the end of the earth, swooping down like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not even understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It shall also shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds or the young of your flock until they have caused you to perish. They shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you in all your towns throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. What God promises here for the Israelites as they're about to enter their land is that they will once again go into exile. We see this in the rest of the, New Testament, of the Old Testament where indeed this happens to Israel where they're cast into the exile again and again. Because just as God was faithful to bless for obedience, he promises here also to be faithful to fulfill these curses. And they become even more gruesome as we read on. Verse 53 And you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, in the siege and in the distress with which your enemies shall distress you. The man who is the most tender and refined among you will begrudge food to his own brother, to the wife whom he embraces, and to the last of the children whom he has left, so that he will not give to any of them any of the flesh of the children whom he is eating, because he has nothing else left in the siege and the distress which your enemies shall distress upon you in all your towns. The most tender of the women among you would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because she is so delicate and tender. She will begrudge to the husband whom she embraces, to her son and to her daughter, the afterbirth that comes out from between her feet And her children, whom she bears, because lacking everything, she will eat them secretly in the siege and in distress, with which your enemies shall distress in all your towns. This is almost too much to stomach, that Israel's disobedience would result in this sort of inhumane behavior, not only cannibalism, but cannibalism of one's own children. We actually see this in Second Kings, where two mothers make an agreement to eat their son, boiling their sons, boiling their flesh, and consuming it, because this curse of disobedience leads to a into a descent into madness. And just like the blessings, we have to ask why? Why would all of this come upon these people? Let's not read. Let's not go to the wrong conclusion here and say God is so cruel for offering such a despicable curse upon his people. No, instead, God is just in saying, these are the consequences for disobedience. Be warned. Verse 58, if you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, then you may fear this glorious and awesome nature of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions. Affliction severe and lasting, and sickness grievous and lasting. And he will bring upon you again the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you, every sickness, also every affliction, that is not recorded in this book of the law. The Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed, whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, you shall be left few in number, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God." The curses of Egypt and that covenant of Abraham, what do these curses, what does this seem to promise? They will be turned around. And let this next part sink in, verse 63. And as the Lord took delight in doing good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Know and hear this, God is holy and he does what is necessary for his holiness. A disobedient Israel shall be plucked from the land that they were given like weeds. And even in this, the Lord says he will delight in it, not because he is cruel, but because he is just. Then verse 64, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, just as you had wished, of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers had known. And among these nations you shall find no respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot, but the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes, a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day shall be in dread, and have, you will have no assurance of your life In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. In the evening you shall say, if only it were morning. Because the dread that is in your heart and the sights that your eyes have seen. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey I promised that you shall never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. Completely undone is what this curse promised. A reversal of the Exodus. For you shall go back into Egypt, and even then it shall be worse because you will offer yourselves as slaves, and no one will be willing to buy. These are the curses for disobedience. I think even just reading them and not necessarily elaborating upon them, we see that they are horrible. And they also should make us stand in awe of an awesome God. At the end of this chapter, we're left with this image of a people that if they are disobedient, and we know that they will disobey God, will be broken by their curses. People who will receive the just punishment for their disobedience. But thankfully, there is more than just this chapter. We may discuss it later at some, at some date. You'll, you'll talk about it in your community groups this week, or you should go home and Read chapter 29 of Deuteronomy and chapter 30 and and continue all the way through. It's important to stop and realize that even though these promises, the blessings are are wonderful, these curses are terrible, we also have to understand that above all those things, the promise of God is is greater still. These blessings and the, the curses, they point to a holy and a powerful God, but also to one who is thankfully faithful and gracious. First, let's just go back and remember what we saw in the blessings and curses. We saw that God was active in them. He actively blessed just as he actively promised to curse. He promises to prosper for obedience just as he promises to bring upon ruin. And Israel, in their rebellion, is going to bring upon ruin to themselves. But thankfully, graciously, there is hope beyond this promise of a curse. Thankfully, God is faithful to fulfill an even earlier covenant. For even in these curses, you hear a hint of hope. Where it stated that you shall be left few in number, but you shall not be extinguished. For there will be a line of kings that is unbroken. The promise to Abraham will come true that through Abraham's offspring, the nations will be blessed. There will be a child born of woman who will crush the head of the serpent and completely satisfy. God's requirement for obedience. His blessings would be ours, not through our disobedience or our partial obedience, but by faith in Him. His name's on the the tip of our tongue, perhaps, but recognize that for Israel, they don't even see it yet. We have a glorious place in history where we know. And we have read here and can understand that Deuteronomy 28 doesn't just outline curses and blessings, but it points to the the necessity of Jesus Christ and his obedience. Someone has to obey in place of Israel. And someone also had to take on the curse and the sorrow and the suffering and the anguish. This is not, this is the only way For sinful people like us, people who haven't fulfilled every aspect of obedience, to receive the blessing of God. Because, like Israel, we're unable to respond in faithfulness to every command that God has given. Instead, we are called to respond in faith that Christ fulfilled that obedience for us. Jesus, the Son of God, responded with complete obedience. Even as he was incarnated as a man, the Bible teaches that Jesus was perfect, obeying and fulfilling every command of the Old Testament and also fulfilling that Old Testament promise that God would save his people and that through Jesus Christ, the nations of the earth would be blessed. We would probably read through these blessings and curses and have to ask ourselves what do we really deserve and we spend more time hopefully if you're honest understanding that we are never completely obedient we start with this story about uh, children there's another thing that Aaron and Sarah do that I really like but it underlines so much of the disobedience that I have in my own life where where they'll say to their children they say please do this and they'll say please listen immediately obey immediately, but instead what we'll do is we'll wait or we'll select what we enjoy or what we perceive as right. And our obedience is so partial, even for the good among us. And what's promised to the good among us, even the most tender? These curses that come about because we couldn't fulfill not our own morality, but the commandments that are set before us by God. This passage should lead us to an understanding that what we Deserve are not the blessings, but those horrible, horrible curses. If you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, the first thing perhaps that you should do in response to this is recognize and rejoice in the fact that Jesus has saved you from these curses. Be happy of this, that what is fulfilled in Christ's obedience is. That you will receive blessing and not curse, for you are not just saved from being bad, or you know, it's not a general. Oh, I'm a Christian now, and so I should be happy. But understand that you have been moved from this curse into this blessing, and beyond that, or not beyond that, but in more detail, in a, in a greater scope, you have been moved from separation with God because of your sin to unity with God through his son, Jesus Christ. But you should probably also not respond in a way that allows someone to say, the way you live undermines this whole message. Christians are often considered uh, self-righteous, I think, is perhaps the the nicest way to put it culturally, because if you only explain to people that Christianity is about following laws and commandments then you have not presented the gospel and you will fall under the same curses that are, that are laid out here. Because Christians themselves are not deserving of, of the blessings. They are not fully able to comply with God's commandments. Instead, in every aspect of your life, not just when you first believe, but even beyond that, you must look to Jesus as the source of your, of your future obedience. So don't say to somebody who is, who is not a Christian, in order, to be, in order to be a good person, you have to follow all these rules. Because by that very same statement, you undermine the gospel and you condemn yourself. And then maybe another way that would be really good to respond in this way is that if you have been saved from these terrible curses into the blessings, wouldn't you wish to share this? Remember, it's a it's a blessing that is seen throughout the nations that goes throughout the nations, and its fulfillment is in Christ. And so, do we not? Are we not? Well, we are also commanded to do this, but we should do it joyfully to spread the name of Christ throughout all the nations, that they would be blessed and they could be spared these terrible, terrible curses. Now, if you're struggling with this, and I think both Christians and non-Christians will will struggle with this idea that. I just want to be good, and I think that happens through following all these rules, you can, in some ways, be relieved because you can't follow those rules. You can't follow those rules, and there's a hope for you. It's the same hope that every Christian claims. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's his obedience, not yours. So stop being crushed by guilt. Stop being crushed by the fact that, I can't live up to everything. And don't settle for just saying, I will be good enough. I will be slightly better than average. Instead, fall completely on Christ and say, He was perfect. His obedience was complete. His blessings are great, and they're mine through faith. Blessings and curses are things that we read about in this passage. For the completely obedient, there is this marvelous blessing for the disobedient, this curse, and I hope we see that it is a just one, and that we, like Israel, are the disobedient. And like them, we hear this warning. We hear a warning that says, "Here are blessings for obedience. Here are curses for disobedience. Please, please choose the blessings. And we also know that we must choose those as they are displayed in the work and the life and the resurrection. The return of Jesus Christ. Instead of receiving that curse upon you today, you take this opportunity, receive through grace the blessings through Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, through his death, through his resurrection. I pray that for us today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time. Uh, Thank you for a vivid description um, of your justice and your holiness and also a, a scripture and a promise that shows us your grace. Lord, you pray that you would be working through all of us this, this week in understanding just what you have saved Christians from. And I pray that you would convict us and let us understand that otherwise, apart from Christ, that is what we deserve, a great and gruesome curse. Lord, we thank you for our time. We pray for the continuation of this time that we respond by singing joyfully to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.